0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today I am super excited to have someone who I hadn't met until today. So it's going to be a very fun conversation because not only are we going to talk about what makes us the same, but I'm also going to get to know somebody who is totally brand new to me. And that's always very exciting. And the way I came to know Mel is through a friend, Linda Gabrielle, who I'm actually going to be interviewing in two weeks. And you'll be in for a treat with Linda. But I know that today we are in for a treat with Mel because one of the things that I absolutely love about her was that her website, the name of her website is so cool because it's all about love. And I'm going to post it right here, Mel's Loveland. So help me welcome my new friend, Mel. Mel, thank you so much for being here, joining me. And, um, having this conversation where we get to inspire others to know how we as ordinary people go through an extraordinary spiritual awakening and how that changes us. And I am committed to helping others understand that if I can do it, if Mel can do it, anybody can. So Mel, thank you for being with me today.
1: I mean, it's great to follow up a uh, Blue Moon over the weekend and be here together and really talk about love and the ways that we just Continue to be um, connected. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely. That was a powerful, powerful moon. Um, were you experiencing some energetic shifts uh, yesterday? Because I was totally, completely um, so emotionally um, it, it raw is is how I can best describe. Yesterday, I could have wept. Uh, well, I was weepy pretty much the whole day.
1: Uh, An incredibly powerful transition has been taking place this year. We had a completion cycle um, over, I don't know, for myself, some of the awakening started about nine years ago, like full on, it's time for love, it's on, game on, love really is um, here to lead the way. And that cycle of like awakening came to a closure with with the powerful moons and the, the different celestial things that have happened in 2019 so this year is really clearing and cleansing and this this blue moon was really um, a powerful transition point and one that brought in some war elements of within ourselves and then you know like you said expose that raw deep pure brave heart not to not to go into uh feature films but (laughs) really (laughs) with the heart um, Absolutely. Exposure and vulnerable, and knowing that's really what it is that all of us are one, and you know, all time is now, and it is really time for a miracle. And this blue moon really brought that, you know, full circle into the beginning of what's going to be like a really powerful and transformative, you know, roaring 20s, as I'm calling it, of the 21st century.
0: Absolutely. You know, I usually start with a conversation about how people got on this journey. But this what we're talking about here is so beautiful and powerful. So let's stay with this for a little bit. Um, Let's talk a little bit about these roaring 20s, because I, too, as I'm receiving my guidance, I am really clear that what is coming starting, you know, it, it definitely has already started, but the acceleration of the activation of everything that needs healing is, is just going to get more intense. So we're going to see a lot more of the darkness. We're going to see a lot more of our egoic self centeredness coming to the surface for healing. Tell me, what are you, what are you sensing, perceiving, receiving as guidance about what, what we're headed towards?
1: Well, I take a little bit of a, you know, I'm, I have a little bit of a Jungian background, so it's the collective uh, unconscious. Um, so all of it is welcome is the message that I continue to receive on a daily basis that we're, our gestalt as an earth mother is really able to, uh, to receive and give in equal parts and our resistance um, is not something that's necessary. So it truly is a time of full defended, le- defenselessness um, <laughs> in service of strength and vulnerability and the true power of love to really be connected. And each of us, um, I mean, that's the message I'm getting as you are, is, is all of us are special and none of us are special. And we are one in our movement. And as we connect within uh, the world, as we see it, Will become a heart vision. It will not be, you know, what what obviously seems to be pervading almost every avenue at the moment. So, yes, as they say,
0: (laughs) yes, this is it's an amazing time of of healing. It really is to me as within so without. So it is a reflection of that same personal journey that I went through where I had to face my ugliness. I had to face my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my, my fears, my judgments, my, my sense of superiorness, of inferiorness and all of that ugly stuff inside of me that I had no idea was there because I was so disconnected from that wounded sense of self that I had put on a mask and was pretending to be what I wasn't. And, it, and peeling that mask, going into what was below the surface is exactly what's happening around the world. But specifically in America, we have peeled off this mask that government was going to take care of us and, and we should trust them. And they're all honest people. That mask has been peeled. And now all of the ugliness is coming to the surface. And like you said, it really is for healing, which means for forgiveness, for awareness, for acceptance, for personal responsibility of how powerful we are. So can you imagine if we start using that power instead of to create from egocentric selfishness? We begin to create from from love and from from caring and from oneness and cooperation. Amazing. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I really feel grateful to uh every extent that many of us and they're in every community um around the globe i do a lot of traveling um i obviously live in los angeles california which is the city of angels and ideas and truly like a central powerhouse of light and honestly um you know, the the joy that we're expressing with having ten years of getting through everything we had to get through, e whatever stuff has come up as as light workers or people that have been called, listen to the call and then we're like, Oh, I need to come from my open heart. And what that means, like you said, in peeling back everything, um, we're ten year I'm ten years into a process of daily transformation of really considering the possibility, wow, my thoughts on this, my judgments on this are not true. So that's 10 years into decoding the world that was created in the 20th century. So I I feel a sense of joy that we're finding each other, that we're continuing to build this net and network of individuals who really do have a sense of wow, I may fall down, but my sisters, my brothers, and those that are my neighbors will be there for me and I can trust in that. And, you know, I'm never alone in my thoughts as we talked about uh, prepping the call, You know, I'm always loved. And we together obviously create miracles because it's our unity that, uh, that brings us forward and others are, are you know, going to need some help with that. So we have a spiral already working. Um, to transform, you know, the worlds that we're experiencing and multidimensionally is, is, is one of my favorite things that, you know, year nine, you start to go, oh, I'm in a multidimensional universe of which everything's changing based on, you know, my heart vision. Um,
0: yes, absolutely. So then let's go to your life before that, those, you know, nine years, because, uh, it seems like through my experience now teaching for 13, 14 years, I've, I've worked with thousands and thousands of people um, and I can see that there is like a line that gets drawn in the sand. There's the before consciousness and then there's the after consciousness uh, or before awakening or whatever you want to call it. But there is a distinction when we become more, more love centered and Tell me about what was life like for you before the the nine years ago when you had that shift, and then we'll talk about what's happened since. But take us back to what was life like for you before that.
1: I had I have had a blessed life. Like I absolutely have tremendous gifts that I've been given and been able to share beautifully um, throughout my life. And I, I one of the turning points you know, of considering, like, wow, I feel like I have superpowers. Um, You know, as a child, I uh, ended up drowning in a lake, and I crossed over at some point and was brought back, um, waking up into a new consciousness of which, um, you know, the world obviously slowed down to a certain extent. There was other uh, opportunities to communicate with people on different levels. Um, it was never just a straightforward um, thing post you know, near, a near-death experience. And so the N- that NBE which I just, again, takes, about, takes some time to really get to what any of this stuff is. Because as a kid, in that case, I didn't really understand anything other than, wow, everyone must have this, these extra senses or extra abilities to communicate with people beyond just I'm saying something and they're, they're hearing me. So, um, and it's a little bit of a, I considered that, um, you know, something that I, I'd never questioned until, um, you know, probably my thirties, like it's just what it was. And so I, from 30 to, I probably had 10 years of, uh, you know, of then questioning it, which was painful and, you know, challenging and. You know, why is this like all the questions, who am I and why am I here came in for me a little bit later, I think, than for other people. But that that was the you know, that was the wake up call for me. Who am I? You know, what was and why am I here? You know, yeah. why are things happening in this way. and What stories can I tell as a storyteller that will really um Remind people of their superpower most of my storytelling and movie making and things like that go into the idea of the rocky story or the cinderella Archetype that the one underutilized unrecognized uh, Abilities become recognized and then transform the entire story so that's really my one story you know, and I don't know if it's not the greatest story ever told, but it's, uh, it's one archetype that I repeat and repeat in almost everything that I do um, yeah. is really recognizing those 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 pieces, which everyone has. And it's a wake up call. It's, a, you know, like the ultimate Rocky story. I'm from Pennsylvania. So, you know, our Philly, you know, our, the idea of Rocky is really like, you know, they, you, you fall into it pretty quickly, actually.
0: I love hearing that and and you know all of us come to to where it whatever experience in life causes us to begin to see that there is more than what we have been taught and your near-death experience as a child opened something opened the portal for you that you could not deny was was there even if if you went to sleep and and maybe didn't necessarily tap into that maybe we're talking about discovering this superpower. Let's talk about that superpower because I had a near life experience. So for me, I had and I call it that because I I went for an energy healing session. This was in in August of 2007 and I had a transcendental experience where I spent 45 minutes in in pure oneness in in the recognition of my my multidimensional uh um, Aspect, my eternalness, my oneness with God, and everything, where all knowingness was was available to me for that period of time and it altered me forever. And even though it's been 12 years, I'm still living into that knowledge, into and it'll probably take me the rest of this lifetime to really see the profoundness of what was shown to me. So your near-death experience brought you to recognizing. Um, a superpower and mine did too, but let's talk about your superpower. What did you discover through that?
1: Uh, I discovered we're more than, you know, it's an infinite life, life and death. And it's an infinite cycle of opportunity to, you know, I think it's birthless and deathless dear soul. It's, uh, each, each is its own experience within the life cycle and nothing, um, is to be feared. So it really is the ultimate fearlessness, um, is really what I, my takeaway from, you know, dropping under the surface of what is possible. And, you know, I'm, you know, I've, I've worked with this material in my nonfiction autobiographical work to kind of express an experience, I guess, now what you're calling this Near life experience or total life experience, uh, as I guess I would put it, yeah. where you are plugged in and completely connected, and there is something, you know, when you almost died as a kid, it really gives you a little bit of a what, what in is a hyper vigilance of the world, and uh, you are operating and projecting. So we are projecting a hyper vigilance of which. Um, you know, when you get in the movie business, you're creating a world anyway. And that's that I took that experience and created as many Cinderella stories as I could. So the superpower became a super projecting power of the world is really a magnificent place full of wonderful people. And this is what happens when you apply care and work and a discipline every day to keeping your heart open and actually believing because, you know, the lies in our beliefs or whatever. So if you believe that you're moving into, um, you know, your greatness, it's, it's really some wonderful reminder for people. So for me, that superpower of just knowing we are projecting and why not project a wonderful, magnificent grand drama that really inspires others through, um, through its, you know, it's telling because stories are how we heal. I mean, stories are why we lie as people. We tell stories based on our perceptions. So it's a really powerful thing to learn as a kid. And I was really grateful that, you know, I also had a family and a, you know, grand a matriarchal line that were very book and story driven. And so libraries and the idea of um, always having a wonderful you know, conversation about how this story evolved or vampires or, you know, fairies or mi- murder mysteries and, um, you know, Tarzan story. I mean, we were always like kind of discovering some new world of which, you know, we were making sense of something.
0: Isn't that beautiful? Uh, one of the, you know, you and I had shared uh, before, while we were waiting to come live, how we are both students of A Course in Miracles. And one of the things that A Course in Miracles helped me get really clear about is the, the entire system of projection. And as I teach in my classes, I I remind everybody that every single one of us is, is a light. And because of Course tells us, I am the light of the world. But then what happens is that when we are children, we begin to record, it's like we take on a, a movie camera um, and begin to record who we think we are based on what the world teaches us. And then we are projecting out into the world these stories. This idea of who I am gets get is what we see on the screen of life. But what is so fascinating is that if we take the movie out of the projector that we recorded, that this is the way things are, the light is there. Because the light is what allows us to see that very projection on the screen, but the light is what we actually are. So it's not that we're not going to have a story to tell is that what story do we want to tell? Do we want to tell a story that is in alignment with our truth and our magnificence, or are we going to keep telling a lie that we're less than that we're unworthy, that we're better than. Um, And that is that that's the whole process of this incredible awakening. Share, share with us. What are the things, the lies, the stories that we've been telling ourselves that you've discovered in your life and, and through your work that block our light, that block the truth of who we actually are that we're awakening from.
1: This is a funny one for me because uh, the book that I have coming out this summer is called uh, Vanessa by the Sea. Um, And love always remains the answer. So whatever question you're asking, love always remains the answer. (laughs) Vanessa by the Sea is an exploration of our unconscious. Um, It uses the ocean as a metaphor Um, for that exploration of going under the surface. So it really is the realization of, let's say, you know, we talk about this a lot in in different circles, different healing circles, different ceremonies and things like that. We're only able to project process 5% of the light that's always broadcasting as our human, whatever our, our human scenario is. So for me, I love that concept of I am the light of the world because that 95% of pure possibility is always present. So in the context of what's next for us, the um, the we've only begun to scratch the surface of what's possible because we've got so much available light to really magnify or prism or create ramp like whatever we choose we create in essence and i know your 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 piece was anything you're thinking that is not loving is not true so lying is really a false false intention in front of the heart and for me you know, it's a, it's perception. So uh, I'm really grateful for A Course in Miracles for bringing in that pure principle that we are, you know, we're just shifting our perception from fear to love. I mean, it's a really straightforward concept. So anytime you take a moment, connect to your inner power, you know, breathe in peace, breathe out love and open your eyes again. You're in your purest state to see and that's the vision of the heart that's the mary story that's the resurrection if you will or you know if you want to use the the christic terms but it really does it's a different vision than the recording device of the eyes and the ears so so almost everything can be tricked and that's part of the reason i know you've mentioned linda the neuro-linguistic programming and the hypnotism and the idea of like Things broadcast that actually um, manipulate your devices are things that love decode mm-hmm. and becomes a story, you know, a lot, you know, a, you know, a projection that you cannot change at any moment,
0: at any moment. And that is that is so, so uh, perfectly said, um, you know, and people that are waking up and have these moments of realizing they connect with their I amness. They connect with that part in them that has always been awake, that that soul spirit, whatever you want to call it, that uh, inner guidance system, as some channels call it. When we tap into that, we realize, oh my gosh, there's more to me that sends us on this journey of seeking, and that is always really exciting and fun and wonderful. But one of the things that in the course is brilliant at at explaining that once we know that there is another way, we have to go through the past. We have to look at all of the ways that we chose um, against the truth and created these fear based beliefs because we have to literally go back and say, I'm going to change my mind about how I perceive things. And I've had to change so many beliefs, I mean, and and they continue, beliefs that I got programmed with about how a woman is, how a man is, the way things should be, beliefs about money, about my job, my career, simple little things like being taught that I had to work hard um, to earn something, to become something that I had to do to be, that I had to perform to to be considered valuable in society not performing as in on the stage. Uh, but even that gets, gets looked at as you have to perform, you have to do something to become somebody. And The Course in Miracles makes it really clear. And not just The Course in Miracles. I've studied so many different uh, paths. There are so many mystical traditions, be it indigenous or be it something very philosophical, be it Buddhism, be it Hinduism all these wonderful teachings that remind us of the perfection that lies inside of us. It's like there is this amazing, the grandest of greatest of all jewels in the whole of the universe exists inside of us. And we didn't even know that. So at five years old, when you had that near deck experience, you, you felt that superpower, you touched into that. Tell me more about what you envision, um, is the potential in this world, like with specifics, how do you see people changing the world changing when we tap into that superpower? Uh, to me, that superpower is love.
1: I mean, uh, the whole pr- principle, I guess, for what's um, whatever my incarnation is, is um, all systems love. It's a transformation of our systems and realigning them in a loving-based um, ideology. So it would. It's a, not a giant shift. It's a literal, like, if I could move a decimal point from here to there it, it kind of a thing. And so it is an instantaneous shift um, as we build up the critical mass necessary of, of inner connection. So I'm, I'm, you know, and I always, I'm, we're getting to the, you know, Star Wars is, you know is actually present in in some ways we always talk about source or you know the force or all of those types of things like because people do understand innately we were talking yesterday about children do know that when you say oh those are dragons they're not like oh there's no dragons they're like oh there's like they're the magic and alchemy of transformation requires a separation and then obviously it comes back together in a different way and i just um I continue to think through love if I if I'm all systems love and I, I wake up every day and those I touch and those I s- discuss the stories that I write the poetry that I read it's it it's a reminder that again it's going inside it's remembering the heart vision the idea of this other multi-dimensional, you know, quantum space that is transcendent of the bodies that represent our humanity is the practice. And it is, as you said, you had your, your near life experience, the when you plug into all time is now, you know, we are all one and then you are in your center of that, you know, of that atom or that, that reality or that quantum space, we are all there. And that's the movement of the decimal point from fear to love. And once more and more people understand the mechanism of that, that it's not something we seek, it is truly something we obviously remember. It's a light switch that goes on that goes, oh, the curtain can be removed. And here I sit in my light center and from a quantum perspective. I mean, when I say we haven't touched on anything um, that you could even imagine at the moment, it will be a different, um, we will be in different spaces. And again, I still, this easiest and most awakening Zen proverb that like, you know, Wayne Dyer back in the day. And I mean, I had some wonderful teachers along the route, you know, near the end of their lives who shared things that really stuck in there, but it is really before enlightenment Carrying water, chopping wood. After enlightenment, carrying water, chopping wood. We are our neighbor. We love ourselves and connect to all that is. So all systems love is is the you know is the shift I see that will transform and we'll see everything and uh, you know from a heart perspective.
0: Yes. And that that is just so beautiful and so wonderful. And when people hear that, that understand this, this, our conversation makes perfect sense. Uh, but somebody who hasn't had these experiences, this sounds like so woo woo and so out there and like, what the hell are you talking about? We're multidimensional and love is so easy and we're all one. Share some practical um, things that you've done, or that you have observed others have done that that are like, how do we move that decimal? How do we what what happens to life? How does it change? Because, as you said, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. I actually wrote an article uh, really recently, like a, a month or two ago. Um, before enlightenment, I did I did laundry and paid bills, and after enlightenment, I do laundry and still pay bills. But the way that I show up in the world, the way that I that I treat others, the way that I think, um, has altered dramatically. It's a hundred and eighty degree shift, a total shift. Share some of the ways that. Would be would be practical shifts that we can make to experience that looking at things from love instead of fear or feeling that multidimensionality or feeling that oneness. Uh,
1: I mean, I have gone through I mean, I, I have gone through um, probably the worst self. I mean, I, I always say this and I laugh because of this. the when did you learn to hate yourself? That's Malcolm X. Like, when did you learn to hate yourself so much that you chose things that perpetuated um, enslavement? So, I and I'm coming a little bit later to Malcolm X due to my age and things like that. But, you know, and there's several leaders of the civil rights movement who really cut through like, you know, a hot knife to butter the concept of self-hatred. And how do you break your chains? You know, how do you go through that? And what is the daily practice of that? You know, from a really practical perspective. And it is, it is never over, uh, for those of us who have the consciousness of the 20th century. So it is a daily, um, it is a daily, daily, uh, you know, interaction, I guess is the best way to put it. So as an example, I mean, I'm blessed because from the time I had my awakening as a kid and then at 11, I had an older brother who had a paper route and then I was like, oh, so every day I got up at 545 and I was like, I'm grateful to be alive because obviously I could have been dead and now I get to deliver the good news every day to the neighborhood (laughs) or whatever. So every day I had to get up without ceasing for seven years and actually like show up it's 365 days a year there are no breaks and um so there's literally uh so it's it is a discipline for ordinary everyday action to say i am not going to hate myself today i spot everything i got and so if i judge someone i am 100 percent. i have that within me and i'm going to deal with it. And if there is something I can't deal with, or I'm too tired, I rest. And then continue when I'm, I'm rejuvenated to say, I will deal with that today. And I don't deal with things um, unless I'm in my heart center. And again, the only shift for me on, I'm not a woo-woo person, and we're all coming out of our own spiritual closet, because Anytime just like children anytime I take out an angel tarot deck or you know seven people I've never met come running over and they're like oh let's do angel cards and they're not people who are doing angel cards so people understand the energy of I'm opening up a loving channel a light language and stuff like that so it's like I don't really get into because I'm the least woo-woo person and yet I've almost died several times and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with my, you know, with the challenges that I have in life and the things that every day, like I said, how did you learn to hate yourself? And what does it mean to shift that? And then what is a practice, you know, and you've tried um, different things. I've tried different things and um, you come to what works for you. And if it's literally making tea in the afternoon and saying over and over again, I am a magnificent woman, that's the practice for that day. If it is, I have to pay 17 bills and I really don't have enough money in the bank account to pay all those bills, or I'll be left with $3 after I pay them all, to say, wow, I really am going to do it because that's what we do, we pay our bills and we move into a movement practice and at the end of the movement, I'm different because I've been in motion with whatever it was that came up for me. So I'm one of those people who believes in act, love is a verb, love is an action, and um, it's, there's nothing woo-woo about saying I love you to the people that you love the most mm-hmm. and every day working to make their life uh, something that's, that's wonderful. And that, to me, is everyday practical love.
0: And it is. And that that concept. And I hadn't studied Malcolm X. So now you've piqued my interest. So thank you. I'm going to definitely uh, study him because that that comment about how did we learn to hate ourselves? That's the whole crux of our ego is we we had people in our lives growing up. All of us had this just part of of being born into a family, whether it's an adoptive family or your birth family or a foster family. Um, We we are it's love is modeled to us by others. And when we begin to observe these unconscious models of what love is, we begin to recognize the conditional aspect of egoic love. And it is self-hatred. It is absolutely self-hatred because, you know, let's say as a baby, my screaming bothers mom or dad, and now they're mad at me for that. That feels like, oh my goodness, other people are responsible for my happiness. So that means that I'm the source of mom's unhappiness. I must not be a good kid. I must not be, you know, I hate myself for making mommy upset. And that kind of of ingrained way of perceiving love that that we actually begin to shut down our heart center. We begin to cover up our heart chakra. Love cannot flow as it was intended because we're bringers of love and light to the planet. And when, when as little children, we get these models of conditional love, we begin to then condition who we share our love with. And the first one that we deny it from is ourselves. So that process of questioning, how did I learn to be hateful, not only with me, but then it gets projected out into the world. As I said, we put that in front of our our light, and now we begin to see on the screen of life all of the the hate that is just a reflection of what's inside of us. Speak to, as you see the world today, what are your thoughts? How are you... um, showing up in terms of being a model of how we can stop this hatred of others so that we can begin to to really not begin. So we can continue to shift the planets. There've been many before us, you know, Jesus was teaching this 2000 years ago, Buddha, 2,500 years ago. This has been around for a very long time. The Egyptians, 5,000 years ago, those who practice the, the truth of that we are the light of the world. Um, so the models have been there, but how how do you see um, you being a model of that? How do you see how do you foresee helping others to begin to shift this idea of hating people just because the media tells us to hate them?
1: I mean the conditioning and the broadcasts and the you know to teach is to demonstrate and our demonstration of what I consider to be broadcasting or transmission models. Have been really um, about fear. And, you know, I'm in the media business. And for me, um, my shift, my personal transformation, um, I started a company with a bunch of guys called Mindless Entertainment. And I was like, oh, this is funny. And, you know, we've made quite a few shows that were mindless. And at one point I said to myself, it isn't, it's heart full entertainment is necessary. And I quit and disassociated myself with that idea of broadcasting things that are fear-based and mindless and mindful obviously has now been coming back into being consciousness and things like that. But I think um, the answer to your question just from demonstrating and being in the love business and every day waking up, you know, with a heart factory and creating stories and talking about love and how do we impact and activate people's loving heart center? And how do we dance with the heart? How do we move ourselves and become something that's truly, I am the light of the world. Thank you for sharing that lesson. That's one of my favorites, obviously, of that piece. There's so many wonderful ones and I don't heal myself. I'm so psyched about this cycle of A Course in Miracles because I don't heal myself alone. You know, you're just into like I'm rebuilding the world of love after I've broken my ego with those 130 days or whatever, you know, the way it's broken out in the A Course in Miracles. But I just want to start my own demonstration of gratitude to those who have come before us and really have broken the patterns. And our sisters and, and brothers are, are people who were slaves and indigenous folks. And that whole movement of full breaking, like with their, with their bodies and with their person and with their spirits going and saying enough. And it's, it's. You know, it's indoctrination and decolonizing the body. and I just have so much gratitude for the women and the men who, you know, I go back to Harriet Tubman or whatever. It's like if the dogs are barking, keep going. You know, Mary Oliver, like, mend my life, like the voices that will cry when you're trying to make the change. We are people who have to be grateful and recognize that listening to others trying to break their egos and their chains and their enslavement is critical for this next movement forward. They are on the front lines of self-hatred. They are ancestrally, like, uh, some of the things that I'm grateful for is um, that I learned to listen, and that's the demonstration of change. Um, I don't have the answer for anyone. I'm not in a position where... I'm getting someone else's transmission. I mean, there's people who do clairvoyance or clairaudio or have, you know, the ability to tap into those things. I I do have some of those things, but my gift, what I can offer is consider the possibility that there's another way to look at what you're thinking and listen to what your guidance is and then be fearless about activating it when you're in your heart center. And so that, to me, is the only... Gratitude for every person who broke their chains of the ego and gratitude for all of the people of color, all of the women, all of the men, everyone who stood up and said, this is absolutely not okay. Fear is no longer here. I am love. And those folks are everywhere at this point doing amazing work, whether it's the... I mean the adept folks that are the that saved our health care here in this country, which is absolutely insane, but they stormed Congress in their wheelchairs and their you know, and, and literally like held their, their own as the police poured them out of the Capitol and put them in jail. And that is a commitment to being free of your chains, free of the fear that keeps the like giant elephant from running free. Um, Do the conditioning of childhood. So our conditioning, our broadcast of fear has been strong, um, but I have full faith that we will continue to be awakening and you know, hopefully, be better stewards of our, you know, of the tremendous power that we as a, as a crew of you know citizens and in our Declaration of Independence, you know, we the people get to be loving every day. And I mean that's that's it. Just reminding people that. You know, their inner power is the whole enchilada. Have some
0: tacos. <laughs> yeah. You know, what you're saying is absolutely so powerful and so necessary for people to hear because it's easy on this journey of awakening to kind of move towards the side of I want everything to be rainbows and and um, uh, butterflies and unicorns and forget that. That is a wonderful state to be in where everything is is beautiful and we are going to create that world. We are moving the direction of of shifting the consciousness to a a fifth dimensional level of consciousness. We're ascending to that level. Like you were saying, we're only using five percent of our light. Um, I think it's a little higher than that. But whatever that number is for us, we we have to continue that the journey is to be 100 percent of our light, which is what Jesus taught. So on our journey to activating that light, we have to move through our darkness. We have to face our fears. And I'm so glad that you mentioned those who are fearlessly on 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 the front end of this this what I'm going to call the battle between light and darkness which is the willingness to stand up armed with truth that says this is not okay what what is happening in this world this is the result of the conditioning I mean talk about this division between haves and have nots it is pure ego and what is so fascinating to me As I watch what is happening all around the world is the breaking down of these systems that like we gave power to our ego to keep us safe, thinking, you know, with all this hate, self-hatred that that was somehow going to keep me safe, we've given our government power to keep us safe. And when you give the ego power to keep you safe, all it can do is terrorize you to keep reminding you that you need it to keep you safe. So we've given the government power to terrorize us, to keep reminding us that, we, you know, to want us to buy into that we need it to keep us safe. So standing up and saying no to just because we elect you does not mean we're going to bow down to you. To be able to stand up and do that requires an incredible amount of responsibility, which says, I put you there. And to me, that was part of this, the undoing of my egoic sense of self is I had to recognize that I chose it. I chose to give my power to fear. I chose to give my power to self-hatred. Nobody did that to me, which is inherently how we reclaim our power. Because you cannot have the power to create the love that you want until you see that you used your superpower to block yourself from what you already had. And that, that journey is such an important part of this, this uh, what I'm going to say, spiritual maturity. Because too many spiritual immature mature people stay on the side of, I want things to get better. And you should stop doing that. But that's not what this journey is about. It's I want things to get better. I need to start doing something about it. So thank you for bringing up the, the courageousness that we're watching out there in the world.
1: Yeah. And I just, like I said to everyone that I meet with and work with, and you know, we are always collaborating, you know, with storytelling and there's so many different people you have to work with to craft, you know, something that's uh, available is like, you can choose again and you choose love, you know, it's like, and even if, even if it it didn't uh, feel right, it's, Still okay if you chose love because you're progressing and you're remembering that you're, um, you know, always safe. And, you know, back to our theme for this, like you're always safe, you're always loved and you're never alone. And everybody um, that remembers that they aren't alone brings us into this raised consciousness and Jesus consciousness and or Buddha consciousness or whatever it is, you know, i line from the Bible that's, um, our, uh, I've tried to work with it a little bit, but it's like, you know, if, uh, there's, you know, do you know what Jesus said? Or I don't even know if it's like a joke of some kind, but, um, if everything was love, I I'm awake. Like if it's, then it's like, Oh, if it's love, I'm awake. So getting more comfortable with safe, awake, aware love is truly um, the blessing of this time and it's a definite global consciousness and for me all systems love um, you know love and good vibes productions you know bringing people together consciously to utilize more light um, storytelling and to transmit awake aware love storytelling that is not built on a paradigm of you know, super patriarchy, or super fear, or super conditioned, um, you know, stories that really put you in, we've returned to like a, a state of kingship, which is not, what, uh, we the people is not about being a, a king, a benevolent king.
0: <laughs> yes, and being a benevolent king or... or... Or moving to the place of feeling like we're servants and, and have to bow down to anybody because our equality is what is recognized through love. So let's talk about some practical ways of expressing love because we have been conditioned that love is conditional. And it is, well, I'll do this for you if you know, I love you because you were nice. I love you because you're you're being good. I love you because you're behaving and you're you're not creating a lot of um uh, activity and you're being good and you're quiet, so I can love you. Let's talk about the practical aspect of what unconditional love is. Because to me, it is to be able to love what is not appearing lovable. It is to be able to be with what is not behaving. Um, give us some tips of practical ways of bringing love into the planet, into everyday life.
1: Yeah, every, I mean, I got a download for myself, which I've, uh, I've turned into a yearly practice, which is the next 100 days, and it's a little bit of an offshoot of, um, so practically every day, you know, like I said, every day practical love is, um, is putting love into action every day. So it's as simple as I'm going to rise into I am light today, and I'm going to practice that today, and that looks like um, every person I meet, I'm. I kindly uh, meet the light in them. So I namaste them and I don't need to do it verbally um, if it's uncomfortable. But I literally today, my practical everyday assignment, um, taking a piece of it, I am light. I'm going into the world and every person I meet, I'm recognizing the light in them. I can say it. Wow, you're really glowing like a, a radiant ball of sun today. And so you put it. practice and you experience what it is to just do that with everyone Um, I have a practice other people have different things they do but we have a lot of homelessness here in Los Angeles and you're always asked um, you know there's no part of getting out of your car that you're not asked for money food to help the kids to do things like that so I I look at that and I, I acknowledge each person and for me I have a fund, I call it the Homelessness Fund, where I, I give a certain amount of money that's equal to each person who makes a request. And then I bless them and, and then I, again, move into how do we solve homelessness in my heart. And if there's an answer to that question, then I completely move into doing that. So I, I have a practical approach as well to something that I feel powerless, powerless to support um so that's that's some of the practical things like i do um and again it's just really anything you're thinking if it is not loving is not true so that's the daily practical practice of just considering the possibility everything that i'm thinking about this person that's irritating the crap out of me is not true and where is it that i can find something in them that i can relate to how can I listen and what what's a practical for the next hundred days, which is what I got downloaded, consider the possibility um, to appreciate the person as opposed to complain. You know, for the next hundred days, I'm going to experience who they are and not break down what I think they are, you know, and allow people the privilege um, in a practical, everyday way of taking a beat to listen and respond and not react. And practically, um, you know, love, um, I've been given a great gift of people who have incredibly different opinions than I have. And without fail, people in my life um, have said to me with certain individuals, you have to work with this person, or I am in a life you know, the situation with this person and they are who they are and you have to acknowledge them. And I can either be bothered by that or I can change my pattern of being in relationship to them or I can bring love to it. And when I bring love to it and I squarely look somebody in the face and say, I love you, I'm here for you and you are safe. And what is it that you're trying to express? And Typically, that that practice of just being present for someone um, and I can disagree with them, I get to I get to really experience my loving and it becomes a different conversation than if it's like I've shut my heart. So our whole job in practical everyday love or all systems love is really what's blocking my light, and it's in me. I can remove it and I can say, wow, I, I disagree with. Like, I know um, we're in abortion central at this point, which my entire adult life um, has been a really easy rallying cry um, for, you know, a deeply held, we all are pro-life. I mean, we we have allies with plants. We have allies with our animals. We are, you know, we are our neighbors. So I am obviously connected to all that is. So we're pro-life. And my entire adult life, somebody's taken that away from me um, through conditioning and repetitive ideas that it's wrong or something's, you know, something's something's to be decided for someone else. Sovereignty over someone's body is necessary for me to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it's just inappropriate dialogue. It's an inappropriate conversation. I think... We, as people who we are our neighbor, we love our neighbor, it is in our hearts to connect and be a comfort. And I, the whole dialogue around what it is has never made sense to me. I express, I listen, I sit with people, you know, who, who go to abortion clinics on Sundays and fight um, fight the idea that somebody has a choice to go in there and get health care. And, uh, you know, I sit with them on Wednesday and we discuss, you know, is there another way that you can express this feeling that you have to, to really, you know, support life that's actually authentic and experiencing? So I, I tackle people. my own perspective from my own consciousness um and there's never not an opportunity to speak your to speak from the heart and you do change um when you listen and hear people you transform decades of conditioned colonization
0: oh absolutely and that that conversation of of abortion is such a necessary conversation to have because it is highlighting to me, as a student of The Course in Miracles, it's highlighting so many things that we are totally, completely uh, mistaken about. Um, number one, it's highlighting the fact that we're focusing on bodies and not on what we are, which is that eternal soul, that eternal energy. So life never ends, it, it doesn't die. Um, it is It is pure energy that goes on forever. But the conversation that we're most mistaken about is what love is and what love does. And it is about respecting that all of us have a connection to God, source, spirit, whatever it is that we want to call it. And any decision that is made is between us and that creator, that, that, that source. Um, So to begin to move out of, of this conditioning that the bodies are what it's real and move to the place of the heart that then can align with a mind that can think clearly and can think correctly is such a, An incredible opportunity that we're facing right now because we are seeing that so many of these states that if not all of them that are that are have signed these laws and I'm in Georgia so I'm in I'm in one of those states about, you know, making abortion illegal are also states that call themselves pro life but yet they are for capital punishment so it's highlighting all of the the duality it's highlighting the double standards it's highlighting everything that we need to look at and begin to see that we're not meant to be controlling one another we're meant to be uplifting and supporting and cooperating with one another looking for solutions and not for condemnation so these are powerful, amazing times to, to do exactly what you said. How do we come to hate ourselves so much that we project that hate on others, that we hate them so much that we want to control their lives because ours are so out of control and so unmanageable because we forgot to love ourselves. When you love yourself, you come back to your eternalness. You know that we are non-physical beings. And then we can use that superpower to create something that serves all of humanity. If we invested that amount of time that our controlling politicians invest into wanting to tell people what to do, if we invested that, that time and resources into educating people about what love is. It will not be long before we have a planet where we don't hate each other, where we don't rape each other, where we don't beat up each other, where we don't try to control each other, when we're not having sex because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Those things take care of themselves if we focused on what is true. And what is true is that there is a superpower that we all have access to. And we need to learn how to align with it. So, Tell me, Mel, how do you align? How do you stay aligned with source? Let's since this is called align with Lina. How do you align with your with
1: your truth? Sorry to over talk you, but the yeah, I got super excited about that's why I was I know we didn't get there, but the alignment is the whole enchilada, and obviously love is the ultimate unifier and it is the sort you know it is the thing that it's the energy that i got super excited there but yeah it's the energy that connects everything and our alignment within is what connects us to experiencing all things and all time is now and uh it is the center of the wheel of life and you know anything um you know so how do i stay aligned is is fivefold to a certain extent um, I have a physical movement practice, um, and I have energy practices, Qigong, Tai Chi, and I'm a Reiki practitioner, mostly for myself. I, I mean, I will occasionally do like a intervention. of I call it a love Reiki intervention where someone's really lost their way. And so I'll do a very directed, energetic um, realignment with the symbols of you know the great sacred symbols of our interconnectedness. So, yeah. um, so for me, I practice the Reiki alignment out of time, and um, my symbol is the you know I've got the electric uh, electricity symbol. So I'm always kind of creating this grounding electricity point. So that's uh, so energy wise, that's one of my practices. And then every day, I'm obviously meditating in the morning and in the evening. And if I need it that day, um, around two to three, I throw down some hardcore midday like, <laughs> ground, you know, full on grounding. Um, and I find that if I you, know, want, I, you know, I can get away with one meditation a day, but I find that for my own um, alignment and my practice of walking love, that it, you know, I, I find it's more effective for myself. Um, connecting to my inner power if I'm doing it two to, two to three times a day and writing um, I'm writing and editing and I have a docu-series that asks the question what would the world be like if all of our thoughts were loving so that's in my uh, consciousness every day um, just what if all of our thoughts were loving and if they were we'd be in complete alignment with the dimensionality of life and death And so the question and the answer, you know, are are at play for me every day. And some of the gifts of I live in a really beautiful canyon in Los Angeles. So there's trees and just gorgeous, you know, experiences with nature. And the weird part, um, which I every day, you know, process as well as part of my love. You know, my decolonizing the body. Um, I live in a, they dammed the river that flowed through, that would flow to the ocean. So they dammed it off and created Lake Hollywood. So it's an everyday genocide where I live, where they've diverted Mother Nature. So I spend a, a portion of my love practice, which I recommend for everyone, really healing, sending healing energy of reconnective um, flow into areas that have been raped and pillaged to a certain extent, so, um, so some type of colonization could take place. So I have to acknowledge the darkness um, to really feel like I'm present, and I acknowledge the things that people do that are wonderful, and I, I call out things that are you know, not of the light. And I think that balance is is part of like uh, a practical everyday love where you you can't ignore the fact that I live on land that was taken um, and colonized, you know, based on the fact that people wanted to make some money and they wanted to, you know, organize how property and things could, you know, could be available to people.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's so many things going on in the world that we definitely have to become aware of and pay attention to and bring love to and bring compassion and, and forgiveness. And because we, if we're if we judging what we don't like, we, we are, we're we part of the issue still. So bringing that forgiveness, I love what you were saying about your practice. So tell people how, what's the best way for folks to connect with you that watch this? I'm going to put your website back up again, uh, Mel'sLoveLand.com.
1: And so, you know, subscribing to all of the things that we're doing, and, you know, we have a lot of programs throughout the year. We operate kind of a kindness club, um, which um, we work in schools and support the idea of kindly um, taking action and, and contributing. We, um, every year, we do that Next 100. All of it's on the website, obviously, and um, and I've got the documentary coming out. So it's like people can get, get just uh, clicked in on the subscribing and then... I'm in September, is the next big love movement as it relates to um, expressing and kind of being in community and activating this next, uh, as we get to the roaring 20s of the 21st century. So the website's the best way.
0: Yes, it is
1: full speed
0: ahead to toward healing and reunification and oneness. So we've got to keep our seatbelts on because it's going to be a very bumpy ride. Yes. And... <laughs> And those of us who have been, I say, blessed to have done so much of this work before the the roaring 20s, as you are calling it. um, We we are here to to stand as lights, to stand balanced and to know that um, everything is happening for the greater good of all. This is a, a mass awakening only because we're all being called back to love. So it is it is a beautiful process, not comfortable as we go through it, but definitely one that is necessary. Thank you so much Mel for being with me.
1: Have a wonderful and thank thank thankful for the blue moon and the blue outfit. Have a <laughs> Thank you.
0: Take care. And as always, we definitely are magnificent. And thank you for you being a magnificent light and and doing what you're doing to bring more love and light to the planet. Mm -hmm. So we will see you all next week um, on on another episode of Align with Lina that will be actually a pre-recorded one because it's Memorial Day here in the U.S. Thanks a bunch, Mel. Take care and have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.